This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of career success at Workweek. Let's go. Hello, my friends. Jacob Espinoza here. Welcome back to the Leaders Lens podcast. I'm going to be honest. We had a couple guests call out sick. Unfortunate. It's that time of year. You know, people are catching colds and things, but every opportunity we face is just an opportunity to innovate. So we're going to use this episode as a chance for me to answer some of those popular questions I get from subscribers to the Leaders Lens newsletter. So I'm excited for this new episode. Appreciate you being here. You are a big deal. So I get a lot of questions about communication and leadership at its core. It really is an ability to effectively communicate a vision and break it down into actionable steps. So a question I got from a founder was, my team says I struggle with communication. I don't really understand what they mean. What should I do? And this is a common problem, and I want to first give credit to the person that sent this to me because a lot of people struggle with communication, but they don't take the initiative to actually ask for help. So first of all, kudos to this person for taking the initiative at asking for help. That is a big step in the right direction. But what can you do to clean up your communication? Here's what I'll say. It starts with your systems. So think about when you meet with your team and why are these meetings important? Here's a few meetings I want you to consider adding to your your weekly cadence if they're not there already. One is a weekly all-hands meeting. This is an opportunity for your entire organization to get together and hear updates about what is most important, how are we progressing towards our goals for this quarter, and a way to make sure that people are staying aligned. This is probably not going to be as interactive as some of your other meetings. This will be more of a readout from the leadership team to the rest of the organization. And that's what that looks like will depend a lot on how big your organization actually is. But this is a chance for you to read out updates, progress checks, but also provide recognition. Remember, the things that we recognized, the things that we recognize are repeated. So this is a chance for you to recognize the actions that you want to be repeated And make sure people understand that their hard work is being noticed because you don't want a bad job to feel like the same as doing a good job with your team. So have that weekly all-staff meeting, but you also need to have within your organization team meetings as well, where you can be more interactive and get really get into the weeds of how are we tracking on our own team goals? If we're falling behind, what are the obstacles that we're facing to make sure that we're getting ahead of things as the end of the quarter doesn't come and now all of a sudden we're trying to problem solve. We should be problem solving throughout the entire quarter. You know, these weekly team meetings are a great place to do that. Also recognition in in these meetings as well. But then also our weekly one-on-ones between you and your direct reports. A lot of people skip these one-on-ones. They end up getting canceled. Terrible. Like you need to have one-on-ones with your team if you're a leader because you need to stay in tune. You need to stay in touch. You need to have time and space for that person specifically to understand how they're doing, to understand the obstacles they're facing, to understand how they're tracking on their own specific goals. This is a chance for you to give recognition as well, but also to give direct feedback in times where that is is relevant and you need to provide that feedback. But it's important to have that space and don't let it be optional. I feel like a lot of leaders fall into the trap where the one-on-ones with their teams become optional. 
and they just get canceled so often that they eventually just delete them off their calendar altogether. You need to reinforce and stress with your direct reports how important it is for you to have that time with them one-on-one. That is a great way to show them how much you value that relationship, that you're personally protecting the time. And if they need to cancel and if they try to cancel, find a way to reschedule, right? Don't let it become a cancellation. Instead, ask them, like, let's find a different time to meet because this time is really valuable and I want to make sure we keep it on the calendar. So keep that cadence going. If you have those meetings, it's going to be a lot easier to clear up your communication because you have points where you can provide updates when there are new initiatives, you can provide the communication, you can give people a heads up of what's coming in the future. But if you don't have these consistent meetings, people might not know where to look. And after every single meeting, when there are action items at the end of the meeting, make sure it's clear that everybody on the call can answer this question. Who is going to do what by when? We'll talk about ideas and there might be some assumptions that people understand who's supposed to do what, who's responsible for different tasks, when are the due dates, but specify at the end of the call who's going to do what by when. Send a follow-up email as well so there's clear communication. It is common that when there are communication issues on Teams, there are also trust issues because people start feeling like they're the only ones doing the work. The problem and the reason that this happens is that there isn't clarity on who's owning what different piece of the large responsibility. So because this person only has visibility to the work they're doing, they assume they're doing all the work. In reality, what is generally true is that everybody's doing a lot of really important work. There isn't, there aren't communication processes or visibility around who is doing what. So it creates some lack of trust, unfortunately, and some confusion. But just by clarifying who's owning what piece of each job, it can clean up a lot of that. So effective meeting cadences are huge in cleaning up your communication processes. Meetings are a, a tricky one because people generally do not like being at meetings, right? There always is this conversation around, like, there's taking away from my important work. Your job as a leader is to make sure that each meeting is valuable and people understand why they're meeting. If you're not prepared for the meeting and you're just showing up and it becomes like 15 minutes of talking about what happened at the game last night, like people that don't care about sports are just going to tune out and be kind of frustrated that you're wasting their time. So don't let that happen. Make sure the meeting starts on time make sure it ends on time. Make sure you're prepared for it and use it as the opportunity to communicate the important initiatives within your organization. This is a huge step forward in cleaning up the communication process, which will allow there to be more trust within your organization. So I love this question. I hope that that helps. Another great question here. So I sent an email out recently that got a lot of responses, which was awesome. I love to see it, but it was about boundaries and how important it is for leaders to be setting boundaries so they can protect their time, their especially when we're working from home. Sometimes we can translate that to I'm always at work, unfortunately, but it's important to have boundaries set so you can have your personal time, have your refresh time, have time set aside for the people and the things that are most important to you. You deserve that. You should have that time and space. The question I got though was how do you tell everyone transparently about the boundaries without sounding snarky? And this is an important question. I love that this person is thinking through how is my team going to respond? because they clearly value their team. They understand there is the need for boundaries, but you also don't want to come across as your own priorities are more important than, than other people's priorities. And here's something I'll just, I wanna remind every leader that's listening to this podcast. The people on your team understand that you are a person. 
Like there is not the expectation that you are constantly on and available to help, right? As leaders, we wanna be there for our teams. We wanna be able to support them. We wanna make sure they feel set up for success. But the reality is, is in order to be at our best, we need times to we need time to disconnect and focus on us. Whether that's spending time with our family, going to movies, reading, exercising, like whatever your thing is that you know if you do will allow you to be at your best is going to enable you to be at the best for your team. So I, I want to say that because taking time for you is actually not selfish. It's something that you're doing that will allow you to be at the best for your people. But if you're burnt out because you're always on, you're not going to be able to be at your best. You're not going to be at your best in times of crisis, when you're creating change, when you have to have a difficult conversation. You're going to be stressed and tired and exhausted, and nobody's at their best when they are feeling those emotions, unfortunately. So first, just remind yourself before you have these conversations why it's important. It's important because one, you're important as a person, right? Like you matter. You're a big deal. But also, it's important because you're a leader and you need to be at your best so you can best serve the people on your team. You can best support the people on your team. And the way to have this conversation without coming across snarky is just being transparent, right? Let the people on your team know, I value you. I want to be there for you. I want to make sure I can be at my best for you. And in order to do that, I want to make sure that it's clear when I'm available and when I'm not available. Do fire drills come up? Absolutely. But when things happen that interrupt that space, the challenge is to make sure you're having the appropriate conversations that reinforce that this space is mine. I need this time. And not that it's okay. If you have a problem, you can call me and I'll take care of it because that's a slippery slope. And suddenly every problem becomes a fire drill and people feel like people might under start seeing that's actually easier for me to just bring this person a problem because I'll know they'll solve it instead of me trying to take initiative and be empowered to solve the problem on my own. So kind of getting back to the question, I got into a, a small tangent there because I wanted to kind of paint the full picture, but getting back to the question of how do I have this conversation, just be transparent, be upfront. I want to be at my best. In order to do that, I need this time set aside. This is time I really value because that's my dinner. That's the time I'm with my kids. So I'm not going to be as available then. But if you need something, these are the times where I'm available. So if you ask me in these times, like I'll get you a much more prompt response. Just making sure that you're proactive in communicating this as opposed to something coming up that maybe they could have addressed earlier in the day had they known that you had this time blocked out and set aside. So just being transparent with them helping them understand the context and why that time's important, but then still encouraging them to bring problems to you, or I'll say that a different way, or reminding them that you are available to support, but giving them some guardrails on what that can look like. So really the answer is let's just, just be transparent. One more question, and it's, it's pretty connected to the previous conversation around boundaries, but how can founders and leaders avoid hyper-fatigue? And an interesting data point that Gallup released in their recent state of the workplace is that for the first time ever, managers are more stressed and less engaged than the overall workforce. And this is a, a major problem. Like if your managers are not engaged, if they're feeling burnt out, this is going to trickle down to your workforce. If you look at the data behind quiet quitting, if you 
look at a lot of the trends where people feel like people just don't want to work. You can't keep your best employees. There is nothing more impactful than the relationship with that direct manager. So if the founder and the man or the manager is experiencing hyper fatigue, which is a new term that's that's being used, it's going to be impossible for them to be at their best. I have a, a friend on Twitter, Lex Friedman, who once tweeted that taking two days for vacation is not going to kill your company or your team, but burnout will. And I think it's really important for us to remember this. Like taking a couple of days off is not going to be the end all for your company. It's not going to be the thing that causes you to close the doors and for things to go to ruin. I think sometimes we feel like we're more important than we actually are And we forget that people can problem solve, that people can take care of things while we're out. And there are actually a lot of benefits to stepping out because you're going to start seeing where some of the gaps in the systems of your organization are, which will allow you to to come in and pay some attention there. So there are a lot of benefits to stepping away. But the thing that will kill your organization is burnout. If you as a founder or as a manager are burnt out, you're not going to be at your best. You're going to be stressed. You're going to be less emotionally intelligent. You're going to be less likely to want to continue. Think about like Olympic athletes, like the best athletes in the world. When they train, if you're a, a runner, as an example, like you don't just sprint for your entire workout, right? You sprint, you rest, you run again, you rest, you work in intervals, And we need to take the same method as we're thinking through how do we lead and how do we work? How do we set up our managers on our team for success? Like, what are we doing to actually encourage people to disconnect entirely and enjoy time away, enjoy the things that fill them up? Because if you're spending your weekend or you're encouraged to take vacations, doing the things that you love and you're passionate about, you're going to bring a much better energy into that workplace. And you're going to stick with that company for longer. You're going to be more resilient when it comes to obstacles that you face because you're refreshed, you're energetic. You have that energy, that sense of optimism that comes with with being energized and taking time to do the things that you're most passionate about. But if we're not doing that and we're running on empty all the time, we're going to be in a bad place. I mean, we really are. And that bad place isn't just at work. That stress that we feel is going to go home with us That stress that we feel is going to go into the community when we're interacting with with our neighbors and interacting with the people in our, our city. And that's not what we want, right? Nobody wants to be in that place because eventually we're going to start, our managers on our team are going to start connecting the dots and realize like this job isn't worth it. And replacing a manager is difficult. It's much more difficult to replace a manager than it is to encourage a manager to take time off and disconnect and invest in developing that manager so they can be at their best, which will allow them to be better for their team, which will create a more engaged workforce that is going to be more productive and more profitable for you as a business owner or as a leader in an organization. And depending on your position, especially if you're a middle manager, like you have to balance both ends, right? Because you might have a boss not encouraging you to do these things. So it's hard for you to encourage your team to, but really be the voice of reason. Like do not downplay the impact of your voice, right? Be the voice at the table, encouraging people to have perspective and reminding the people on your team that people have lives, that we want to make sure we're encouraging good work-life balance and that we're encouraging people that to do the right things 
and you'll know, be that voice of reason. And a lot of it can start with having conversations around things like vacation time. And if you know that there's a certain cycle that your company has, like encouraging people to use that vacation time so they don't lose that benefit. Like those little things go a long ways in establishing you as a manager who is looking out for their people and invested in the success of their people. So small things like that to avoid hyper fatigue kind of gets back, back to the boundaries conversation that we were having earlier, but taking that time off, like do not devalue how important that is. It might be a couple of days. What's even more impactful, I mean, in, in combination with having time in the morning for doing things that you know are going to allow you to be at your best, which are like taking a walk in Kim Scott's, one of her famous talks in Radical Candor, she talks about how like taking that walk in the morning, it wasn't an option. It was something that was part of her day because she knew she, without that, she wasn't going to be at her best throughout the rest of the day. So don't make things that allow you to be at your best optional because you are not optional. You're important. You're a big deal. Make time and space for that. Make time and space to disconnect. Make time and space for the things that you love, the things that you're passionate about, the things that make you smile, the things that light you up. Like Make more time for that because when you do, you'll be better at work. You'll live a more like life short. You'll live a more fulfilled life. So that's why we work usually. But also you'll be better at work as a result of it as well. So you win on both sides. That's a big deal. So I appreciate you. If you have other questions that you'd like me to address on a podcast or in the Leaders Lens newsletters, send me an email, jacob at workweek.com or leaderslens.workweek.com. Either way, I'm here to support. I just feel so grateful. I get to connect with so many amazing people every single week through the podcast and through the newsletter. And next season is going to be all about conflict resolution. So I'm excited to bring you a ton of frameworks that are going to allow you to be better in resolving conflict on your team because conflict is expensive. Like conflict is healthy. The goal is we need to learn how to manage it, how to navigate through it, not avoid it. And that's what I'm going to be focused on the for the next quarter in the newsletter, but also the next season in the podcast. So I appreciate you all. I really do. Enjoy your day. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend. 